everybody, Mike here. So glad you are with us, coming at you from um, suburban Columbus, Ohio, and very, very grateful, as always, to be a small part of your life. Thank you for tuning in. Thank you for the support, encouragement, questions, feedback. The thing that I think I've enjoyed most uh, from uh, the, doing this podcast for the last couple of years has been the creation of a community of, of really incredible people who have phenomenal ideas and questions and critiques, and it's just been, it has been unbelievable. Unbelievably sharpening and helpful. And uh, to whatever degree uh, we are able to return that favor, that is fantastic. Today, uh, so so my friend Andy set up this thing where if you email the podcast at, at hello at voxpodcast.com, um, it goes to the spread Excel spreadsheet. And the problem is I forget to look at that. And so we've just got all kinds of comments and things that build up. So periodically we do something called a Vox mailbag, which is just, you know, so like today we've got four, two comments, one sort of critique question, and then one um, very good question about uh, women in ministry from some of the podcasts we've done in the past. So uh, very, very grateful for the fact that you guys email in and ask great questions and um, respond in real time. I mean, that, that's all, that's all absolutely wonderful. So today, uh, a couple of things. One, um, I heard from some folks who study under a guy named John Coe, who I referenced in the last podcast. Um, he is the director of something called the Institute for Spiritual Formation at Biola University. Um, and they're actually in, um, that uh, institute right now studying. And, and I was referring to a concept that Dr. Coe had sort of introduced to me called sitting in the weeds of your sin, where it's not just you slap a confession on it, move on, but you actually kind of sit there and reflect and, and listen for the spirit of God to kind of uh, speak to you in the midst of your brokenness. Evidently, I have an email. And uh, they had just simply uh, reminded me that there are some, if, for those of you interested in, the, in this concept, there are some ancient conversation partners um, and uh, like uh, Teresa of Avila, uh, A-V-I-L-A, and John of the Cross. Um, uh, that these concepts weren't, at least that one in particular, wasn't original to Dr. Coe. That was something that, that ancients had talked about. And so if you're interested, uh, I refer you to, uh, to those resources. I've read excerpts of their works, but I've never read, uh, their entire works. John of the Cross, I've read, um, on something that, uh, he called the dark night of the soul. Ooh, so good stuff. Anyway, I wanted to pass that along. Another comment. Uh, hello, I just listened to your podcast. I want to say thank you for advocating for individuals with developmental disabilities. Uh, well, it's easy to advocate for for uh, people that have developmental disabilities when you when your son, um, your adorable, wonderful, awesome son is uh, looking at you all the time and you realize, oh, there's there's this big world out there that it, that that often is incredibly friendly, but sometimes isn't so much. Um, you continue to say, uh, I work with individuals through a day program. That's amazing. And it's amazing how these individuals can change lives. Amen to that. Teaching and educating the public on person-first language and person-centered planning has been hard and painful. It amazes me that people still use derogatory terms. I was at the doctor's office and my doctor asked me what I did for a living. I explained my career to him and he said, oh, you work with retards. Oh my goodness. Um, 
I was extremely upset and heartbroken that someone in this field who is a mandated reporter still uses this term when there are other terms that can be used. Uh, anyway, this is amazing. Makes my heart happy knowing others out there advocate for our friends. Well, thank you so much for that uh, kind encouragement. Um, yeah, I, I think it'd be far more noble to advocate for people with developmental disabilities had I not had a son um, who, who has Down syndrome. Um, so yes, I, I, I'm grateful for the opportunity to, to show Seth off and to remind people um, how poor the world would be if he were not in it. But um, I think it's far more beautiful when um, you're a, you're someone like you who are kind of working with in day programs for people um, who have special needs or you're a special education teacher or aide. I mean, I'm I just because we've seen firsthand the difference those people can make when they're great and the patience that's required. Um, Seth uh, is in third grade. He has um, about 40% of his day is spent with typical uh, third grade peers. About 60% of his day is spent in a uh, in, in different pullout kind of situations where he's pulled out of class and he's put into speech or OT or whatever it is. And uh, I'm just amazed by people like you um, who devote their lives to this. And I'm so very grateful to be an increasingly large part uh, to, to be part of an increasingly large chorus of voices um, recognizing the, the incredible damage um, that, that the movements in some quarters of our world to eradicate um, people with this diagnosis, I mean, how tragic that ultimately is, not just for those people, but for our world. So grateful to be part of the team. Thank you for the encouragement. Um, next so this is a, a Vox mailbag episode. It's not literal mail or bag, but it's because I forget to look at the at the questions often enough. So um, uh, this one is from uh, a man named John. Hey guys, I've been listening to your podcast for quite a while and um, along with everyone else, I'm sure, have noticed you devote quite a bit of time recently to refuting articles or podcasts produced by the Desiring God ministry uh, and website that's kind of run by John Piper. I've also heard pot shots taken at the Gospel Coalition sporadically throughout the life of the podcast. My question is this, would you ever consider getting someone from one of those organizations to come on the show for an interview? Um, not sure what you would talk about. Per, oh, I think we could find something to talk about. Perhaps someone could come on and respond to a podcast devoted to refuting their views, or you can pick your own topic uh, that you want to grill them on. Smiley face. Basically, I want to hear you talk to someone from those organizations about Calvinism, women in ministry. I'd be fascinated to hear that conversation. Blessings, John. P.S. If you could get the man himself, John Piper, on the show, that would be unreal. Amen. Uh, so a couple of things. First of all, uh, yes, I, I hope we've explained why um, we devote some time. I mean, there's even more stuff coming out. And, 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 and so I, I sit on it for a while, um, uh, because I don't, I, I really don't want the, to be the show to, to have the show just be about, you know, critiquing other Christian views. 
Um, but man, you know, we've done some stuff on mental illness. We've done some stuff on women in ministry. We've done some stuff, uh, on different topics on evil and suffering and stuff. And, and, and there it's, you know, often I refer to the desiring God stuff as kind of the counter point in Christian circles, uh, because their, their views are very predominant in the circles I've run in. And, uh, and so I feel like they're worthy of mention. Now I hope, uh, we don't take pot shots. And if, if we do, I'm, I, I don't want to be like that. So I'm, I'm sorry. Um, I, I get frustrated with, I, 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 cause frankly, I think some of the teachings really, really harmful coming from those organizations. And, and I have no doubt, um, some of my teaching is harmful too. And, and I, I have people point that out <laughs> all the time um, and critique it. And, and so I, I don't, I, I don't want to be ever the kind of person that just sits and takes shots. So absolutely. Um, I would absolutely consider having someone on from the show. The reason we haven't yet is because I've just always thought those views get so much airtime in culture that I didn't want to give more airtime to them. I wanted to actually give airtime to other views that um, I didn't think it were as, as popular or as um, uh, seen as valid in uh in the tribe that that i kind of have grown up in and so uh to me there are loads of great podcasts and articles and books written by that crew on calvinism and suffering and women in ministry and so i was just trying to give a forum for a different take uh that you know ones that i think are either more or equally biblical so that's why i haven't anyone on uh but glad to do so and um and so, yes, I, I've heard John Piper listens regularly. And so um, Reverend Piper would love to get you on the show and would love to hear your thoughts. Um, but, you know, the, he speaks for himself very well on his own podcast and website and so on. So uh, be glad uh, to engage there. But, you know, the fun thing is with this, uh, this Internet contraption, um, we get to hear him speak for himself and we get to hear him talk and uh on a lot of these issues too so yes it would be very fun in real time uh, to have a, a discussion on some of this stuff so uh email me if you're interested and i'll make sure to remember that there's this spreadsheet i need to look at all right uh, last question um and this i think is a, is a really really good one could there be any argument to this all right and here's the argument levites were called to be priests, and God dictated that only they, uh, only, would be able to administer the gifts, the prayers, the incense, etc., in the tabernacle. So Levites, that that was a tribe of the twelve tribes of Israel. That was one of the tribes, the descendants of Levi, um, and and they were chosen specifically to be the only ones who could. Uh, uh, hold priestly office and administrate the various uh, sacrifices and, and um, sacraments of the temple in the Old Testament. Now, uh, this person continues, that doesn't mean that there weren't other great men of God from other tribes who were definitely deserving to administer those gifts, but that God had decided that only Levites were called to be priests. It doesn't mean that there aren't uh, it doesn't mean that there aren't women that aren't qualified to be priests, but perhaps God simply chose a different gender to be more qualified and therefore made the decision, and that's that. Sure, 
Um, it sure is easier to explain, but perhaps not the right answer. Not that you can't learn from women, but seminaries designed for elder qualified men in his view. Also, aren't we called a royal priesthood, a holy nation in Hebrews 13? Great question and debate. Love your banter, dude. Thank you. Also, great perspective from Bonnie. Amen. So, um, uh, several thoughts in there. The big argument seems to be, listen, God doesn't give a reason. He just says, Levites, you guys are going to be the ones that do this. And it's not like the Levites were better than anybody else. They were just, they, they were called uh, to serve by God for whatever reason. And so why can't it be the case that God has done that with men? And it's not because men are better, but it's just because he has picked men to do this for whatever reason. And, and that, I, I think that's a fair question. Um... You know, certainly you have that argument when it comes to Jesus choosing uh, 12 apostles that were men and um, and certainly the, the Levites, not just uh, that's it wasn't just all the Levites, but it was only the male Levites. Um, so so very legitimate question, very legitimate argument. Uh, the issue that I that I would kind of push back on is simply this. If that were true, that eldering and pastoring and teaching were only reserved for men, for all time, for all places, then it seems like the Bible, it goes out of its way to note um, lots of exceptions to that rule. And, um, and uh, it's certainly in the ministry of Jesus, but, but surprisingly in the ministry of Paul, 18 different women are mentioned in uh, Paul's letter. 16 are identified by name. Some of them are mentioned in relationship to a man, which was the common practice of the day. Um, but some of them weren't. They're mentioned independently of, of men. And so, so I, mean, I mean, this is just a snapshot of like the, the these words are just taken from Paul, and so you know Paul co- calls um, Priscilla, Eudio, Eudia, Euodia, <laughs> and Sentiki. He calls those three women in different places his co-workers in gospel ministry. Um, Priscilla. Um, Paul refers to as a close friend, um, having worked together with her for years. She, of course, and her husband trained um, the teacher Apollos. Uh, Paul refers to Junia uh, as a fellow Jew, a fellow prisoner, and as outstanding among the apostles. So there was at least a female apostle, Paul mentions. Um, Paul talks about Phoebe in Romans 16. He commends Phoebe to the church at Rome as our sister, as a patroness of many, and as a minister or deacon of the, of the church in Centria. I don't know if that's how you pronounce it. He also entrusted his letter to the Romans um, to Phoebe as his envoy to take to Rome. And most likely, uh, she was the one who read the letter of Romans to the, you know, to the first time to the original audience. Um, and, and if she read the letter, she would naturally have been asked questions about it. Um, so Paul also acknowledges the ministry labors of Mary of Rome, Trophina, Trophosa, Persis. Um, he mentions 
uh, very warmly, I might add, 10 women in uh, chapter 16. Um, he mentioned somebody named Julia who hosted a house church in Rome. Um, he, he listened to feedback from uh, Chloe uh, about the, the people, the Corinthian people in 1 Corinthians. Um, he passed on greetings from Claudia of Rome and sent greetings to Appia, Colossae. He recognized the house church of Nympha in Laodicea and asked that his greetings be passed on to her and her church. He accepted the hospitality of Lydia in Philippi, held meetings of the fledgling Philippian congregation in her home, respected the faith of Lois and Eunice, um, who were uh, part of Timothy's household. Um, so so you, you have, and, and then you have Paul's teaching about, you know, um, women should prophesy in a certain way if they're going to speak up in church. And you just kind of have all these exceptions. So, so um, what we don't have with the priests and the Levites are exceptions to that rule. We have no record at all of men you know, failing in that role. And so a woman kind of steps up to do it. Um, we have no record of that. So I don't think the situations are analogous fully. Um, what we have instead is I, I think we have, um, we have two or three different pericopes or like passages of scripture um, that I think Paul motivated by missionary concerns gives, I think, very time bound instruction to women about their place in the meetings of the congregations. Um, but then you have other very clear counterexamples to that practice throughout Paul's own ministry. And then I want to just throw something else out that I'd never heard. Uh, but a guy named Scott McKnight, who's a scholar that I have a great deal of respect for, uh, mentioned on his blog, and I thought, ooh, this is interesting. Um, one of the least popular portions of the New Testament are, are three little letters written by John called 1 John, 2 John, and 3 John. And they're kind of tucked in a little bit. 1 John's the, the more famous of the three. 2 John and 3 John are literally a page long. And... Um, and, and here, so, so what I want to do is I want to read second John. It's that short. And, and, and what we think, at least what Scott's arguing and, and it seems intuitively makes sense as I researched it, um, that, that, that there is, there is a woman who is leading a house church, not hosting a house church, but she is the pastor of a house church and, uh, in second John. And so, so here's the letter. Uh, begins the elder to the chosen lady and her children whom I love in the truth and not I only but also all who know the truth because of the truth which lives in us and will be with us forever grace mercy and peace from God the Father and from Jesus Christ the Father's Son will be with us in truth and love it has given me great joy to find some of your children walking in the truth, just as the father commanded. And now, dear lady, I'm not writing you a new command, but one we've had from the beginning. I ask that we love one another, and this is love that we walk in obedience to his commands. As you have heard from the beginning, his command is that you walk in love. Many deceivers who do not acknowledge Jesus Christ as coming in the flesh have gone out into the world. Any such person is the deceiver and the Antichrist. Now, we're, we're doing a Roman or we're doing a Revelation podcast for our Patreon supporters. And one of the big points we're making there 
is that the the book of Revelation is about the revelation of the Christ, not the Antichrist. In fact, Antichrist isn't even mentioned in the book. And the popular understanding of Antichrist, of just one person, kind of the end of the age, is totally refuted by this passage. Evidently, there are many Antichrists, and there were Antichrists way back then. So there isn't just one person who's going to have 666 sort of tattooed on his, the crown of his head and is going to be you know named the Nikolai Carpathia for the those left behind fans. Uh, no, there are many antichrists. Um, uh, and, and, and John here even mentions that that's just an aside, by the way, he says, he continues after he mentions antichrist, watch out that you do not lose what you have worked for, but that you may be rewarded fully. Anyone who runs ahead and does not continue in the teaching of Christ does not have God. Whoever continues in the teaching is both the father and the son. If anyone comes to you and does not bring this teaching, do not take him into your house or welcome him. Anyone who welcomes him shares in his wicked work. Uh, I have much to write to you, but I do not want to use paper and ink. Instead, I hope to uh, visit you and talk with you face to face so that our joy may be complete. The children of your chosen sister send their greetings. Now, so, so he writes somebody, he, he writes to somebody called the chosen lady and her children, and then talks, he, he met references later on some of your children walking in the truth and then says, and now dear lady. Um, and so the question is, well, who, who's the lady? So John begins by saying the elder. So, so here he's not referring to himself by name, but just by title. And it's fascinating that then he uh, calls whoever this lady is, the lady and her children. Now, the, the issue is that in, in Christian tradition, uh, some have argued the elect lady, the elect lady is the church itself and not a female leader. So, um, so the argument is, okay, well, well, John here is just referring to the church. The elect lady is, um, is just a, a way to refer to the church. Um, but, but there are reasons to think that the elect lady isn't the church, but rather the person leading the church who is female. Um, and so the argument would go something like this. Um, the letter that comes after second John. So we just read second John, third John, they're close enough that, uh, that few question the same authorship of both making parallels between the letters, especially important. Um, third John addresses a guy named Gaius, who is clearly the leader of the church. And because the letters are a lot of like, it follows that the elect lady of second John is most likely the same at her church. Um, there's actually, there's actually some speculation about the person's name, um, electa or curia from the Greek of second John one, um, the use of children in the epistles of John refers to church members. So, so the lady must be distinguished from the children. Therefore the lady cannot be the church itself. The children are the members of the church. So the lady cannot not be the members of the church. If you're saying to the lady and the children, the lady has to be someone different. 
Um, and then by calling, by calling them your children, the lady then functions as the pastor of those children, much as Gaius does in the third John to call the lady, the church as a whole, um, fails at the simplest level of language. And then, and then fifthly, women were, were often the point persons or leaders or hosts of many of the house churches, Chloe in first Corinthians one, Lydia, Acts 16, uh, the mother of John Mark in Acts 12, Nympha, Colossians 4, Priscilla and, uh, Priscilla and Aquila, excuse me, Romans 16, 1 Corinthians 16, Philemon, Appia, and Archippus, uh, Philemon 1 and 2, and perhaps Stefana, 1 Corinthians 16. So the idea, of course, is... Um, and then, and then you throw on all of that, uh, nowhere in the new Testament or in later writings is the Christian community referred to as the lady. Um, he refers to the church as the ecclesia all the time, um, in, in third John, um, is reference to the church. So it seems like he's just using a stylized version to refer to the pastor in the church. Uh, he calls himself the elder. So he calls the church. Uh, the children of this lady who seems to be the pastor. Now, my point in bringing that up was just to give one small other argument uh, against the idea that women were not pastors, teachers, prophets, and apostles in the first century. I think we have examples uh, clearly where women were elevated into roles beyond uh, what was the norm for the day. And I think we can explain away the prohibitions given by Paul as due to missionary concerns with the furtherance of the gospel. So the analogy between, well, doesn't God just choose the Levites and that's that? I don't think the, the analogy holds uh, because there are clear counterexamples uh, that go against the prohibitions, whereas with the Levites, there were no such counterexamples. Boom. That's what I think about that. Now, um, please, please, please. So, I, and again, the goal of the podcast is always just to raise questions. I don't always answer them. I'm just giving you my take on it. My take has changed over the course of years. Um, and there's so many good, um, good books to read on this. I'm actually going to put together a, kind of a women in ministry book list. Uh, for those of you interested, I get a lot of questions about that. So, uh, my brothers and sisters, so very grateful for your feedback. The reason I want to highlight it is just to say it's valued. We're grateful. Um, and I think you guys raise incredible questions. So um, we have a, a Facebook group. You can like us on Facebook. Uh, you can follow us on Twitter. Um, but, you know, more than anything else, we just love, I love hearing from you and appreciate the feedback. So uh, my brothers and sisters, until next time, may the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord shine his face upon you and be gracious to you. May the Lord lift up his countenance to you. And in these days, may he give you peace. Thank you so much, my friends. Appreciate you all. Hey, thanks for listening to the Vox Podcast. Learn more about us at voxpodcast.com. Follow us on Twitter at the Vox Podcast. And now support us on Patreon at patreon.com slash voxpodcast.